0: Alright, good morning everyone. Well, whether it's morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you're watching this and whenever we get this posted. Um, my name is Ben James. I am pastor here at First Church of Christ in Grayson. Um, as I started my sermon yesterday, I uh, I want to start at the same today because I'm making this as a result of our live stream feed um, being absolutely horrific yesterday. So our apologies for that. Uh, Thank you for your grace and your mercy that you've extended to us and your understanding. Uh, But as I started yesterday, I do just kind of want to uh, make a statement that we are in the middle of November now, and we have been here since the middle of March. Uh, Some of us maybe even longer. Uh, in the middle of what, uh, what 2020 has brought us, kind of the chaos, the uncertainty, uh, and just the different avenues and aspects that we are facing, situations uh, within our world. I just want to kind of make a plea to you this morning, just be gracious to one another. Show some compassion. Have a little bit of tolerance uh, because none of us have ever navigated through this before, and quite honestly, most of us are—we're um, weary. I, I think every one of us, on some level, to some degree, we are weary on a on a soul level, on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a mental level. I think that uh, no matter what we feel, uh, our opinions, our perspectives. On anything that we've faced so far this year, um, we're weary with just dealing with things on a daily basis that we're not used to dealing with. So I just encourage you guys to, um, to be gracious to the people. Be gracious to the people out in public. Be gracious to the people at the bank, the grocery store, where you're, where you're getting your supplies at a, at, a, at a restaurant you may be uh, patroning. Just have some grace uh, for them, because we're uh, we're all pretty uh, we're all pretty raw, and we're, uh, we're we're even hypersensitive in in some areas. So, with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your church family, um, with your pastor, with the live stream feed at FCC Grayson, just let's be gracious. But this morning what I want us to do is we have been talking in our Redeemer study as we've moved through this, we've kind of spent the last couple weeks looking at the more practical areas of how this plays out. Uh, we spent a good deal of time talking about the vertical relationship that we have between us and God, and actually that can extend back even into our Summer in the Psalms. But the past couple of weeks, we have looked at more of a practical application or a day-to-day playing out between how we relate not only to God but how that relationship influences our relationship with others. So today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Now last week we talked about reconciliation and I made the statement towards the end of my message last week and I said that True biblical forgiveness, because we're in basically, we're in part B of a two-part message here on forgiveness. But last week I highlighted and made the statement that true biblical forgiveness cannot be achieved without having uh, reconciliation in our heart. And we looked In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 last week, and we talked about this ministry of reconciliation, that God has reconciled us, if we're believers, He has reconciled us to Him. And He has also given us the ministry of reconciliation. And it also says in that passage that God is, uh, He's making His appeal to non-believers. God appealing to them through us. And really one of the key verses that we looked at in that passage was 5.16 out of 2 Corinthians, where it talked about us regarding no one in the flesh. It says that we used to regard Jesus in the flesh, but as, as our Redeemer, as ones who stand redeemed as believers in Jesus Christ, we regard Him In the flesh, no longer. So, this morning, as we move into forgiveness, let's make sure that we understand and are constantly viewing forgiveness through the lens of reconciliation. That we no longer see anyone the way we used to see them. We no longer see anyone, believer, non-believer, doesn't matter the the demographic, doesn't matter ethnicity, doesn't matter social standings, political affiliations, we see no one the way that we used to as a believer in Jesus Christ, which the way that we used to was we regarded them in the flesh. So this morning, I want to ask you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles. We're going to be going to Matthew chapter 5. So, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be talking about forgiveness from me to you and likewise. We're going to be talking about forgiveness on this horizontal plane, this relational plane that that we have together as believers in Christ and as we have with others, just just mankind in general. Now, remember, if... Our vertical relationship isn't right. And this is really, really important for all of us to understand. If our relationship with God, that vertical relationship as we've talked about, is not right. If we've not taken care of the vertical forgiveness, which we covered in both our talks on repentance and on justification. If we don't have that right, then we're truly not going to be able to walk in biblical forgiveness. But let's read. From Matthew chapter 5, this morning we're going to be reading verses 21 through 24. And verse 21 starts by saying, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift therefore, uh, leave your gift there, excuse me, before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Will you pray with me? before we get into uh, the the meat of the message this morning. God, thank you. Um, (laughs) This this just kind of serves as a reminder to me of uh, you being a God of multiple chances. And I'm so glad that you don't give up on me, on us, uh, the first time that we fail. God, I pray that you were pleased with the reading of your word. I pray that uh, that you're pleased with what we do uh, in this message today, God, I pray for every person that's watching this, every person that's hearing this, whether it be now or whether it be in the future, God, I pray that you open open hearts, open minds, open ears, and allow us to receive what you would have us to receive this morning. Father, I pray for me. I pray that you use me as a vessel that uh, Holy Spirit, you inspire my words and you speak. As I give voice to your words this morning, I pray that I lay as much of me aside as I can and allow you to speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in this passage, in Matthew chapter 5, what we just read here, Jesus makes some, some pretty audacious claims. I mean, there there's a level of audacity here that I don't know if we quite grasp as we read on the surface as we kind of go over this, but let's take a few moments and let's just look at these statements that Jesus is making here on the Sermon on the Mount. First in verse 21, here's what he says. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say That everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now understand something that Jesus goes into a little bit deeper uh, teaching in another gospel with, with this same concept. But what he's talking about here is Jesus is referring back to the Old Testament law. And he's saying that you've heard it said, or you've been instructed to, or this is what you've been taught. And he's not taking away from the law here, but what he is doing is that he's building on it. Because what he's doing is he said, the law's standard is right here. This is the standard that the law set that says, basically, don't don't do it. Don't have any type of physical expression of this anger, of this hate. It goes on in another place and it says that if you even looked upon someone with lust in your heart, then you're already guilty. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But even if you look at someone with lust in your heart, then you're guilty of it. So what Jesus did was he took this standard, he took this bar that was set, let's say, right here with the Old Testament and he said this is the standard that you were held to under this covenant and this is the standard that you couldn't even you couldn't even live up to okay what i'm going to do now is I'm going to raise that bar. And I'm going to tell you that it's no longer just about your actions, but it's also about your thoughts. You see, he's moved it from an external outplaying and a manifestation in our life, and he's moved into our thought, into our thought life. And, and that's dangerous in my case, anyhow. But what that does is that takes that standard, and he says, I'm going to move it up here. Now, understand something. Jesus introduced grace, He fulfilled the law, and He introduced grace and mercy. But my friends, never be mistaken that New Testament, Jesus introduced grace is not cheap. His grace is not greasy. His grace is not an excuse for you to continue in your sinful ways and have a reason that you can say, Oh, I can do this. Jesus knows that I'm just a fleshly person. He knows who I really am. I'm going to do this even though I know it's wrong because there's grace that covers that. My friends, if that is your idea of biblical grace, you need to get in God's Word. You need to look at the life of Jesus. You need to read the epistles of Paul, and you need to understand that New Testament grace, while it's fabulous to cover our sins, while it's full of mercy and full of love, it actually requires more of us than any law Ever could. I said, I posted something on social media just a little bit earlier this week, and and it went something to the effect of this that if you hear a message on God's grace and it does not require you to turn away from ungodliness, then it's not a message on God's grace. It's a distorted message about grace that we want to justify in our lives. So Jesus has taken this statement and he says, I'm not only going to require holiness and righteousness and, and, and this standard of living in the way that it plays out in your life, but I'm also going to require holiness and righteousness in your thought life too. And that's, that's really big. As we're talking about forgiveness, we have to understand that our thoughts towards other people are just as dangerous, if not sometimes more dangerous, than our actions towards them. Because unforgiveness, hear me clearly today, unforgiveness is one of the most dangerous things that you can have operating in your life. And here's why. Because if you have something that, that someone has done to you, and it's gone unforgiven, and there's no resolution to it, then the root of bitterness can set up in your life. And the root of bitterness, there's nothing that I know of. Maybe I won't say that. There's very few things, in my opinion, that will distance your relationship with God more than bitterness in your heart and undealt with unforgiveness and offense in your life. So I'm going to talk this morning. We're going to ask The question, why? And that's the only question. Why is forgiveness on the horizontal scale, on the horizontal relationships, why is forgiveness such an important concept? I think one of the reasons, maybe the biggest one, we find out next in this, in passages 23 and 24 of Matthew 5. Verse 23 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, excuse me, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, a couple weeks ago, we we had a message in this study on purpose. And we looked at our individual purposes, and we looked at how our purpose is to be in Christ. That's it. That's that's our purpose. But before I got into that message, I kind of took a moment to make a statement as pastor here at FCC Grayson to clarify our purpose here as a local church. And that purpose for First Church of Christ in Grayson, Kentucky, is for us to glorify God, to bring Him glory in everything that we say and everything that we do. So let's read this passage again with that as the standard, as an understanding that that is our purpose, to glorify God. So if you're offering your gift at the altar, which is glorifying God, you're offering something to God. And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You see, it's so important for God to God and for him to be glorified that if there's any type of chasm in between his people this is talking about brothers and sisters in Christ if there's anything that's coming in between them and there's a chasm between that relationship God says that thing that I've called you to do that very commandment that I've given you to offer praise to me to worship me to glorify me I want you to put that down whatever you're getting ready to give me as a gift I want you to go I want you to fix that relationship I want forgiveness to be extended I want reconciliation reconciliation to happen, and then I want you to come back, and then I want you to offer it. Church, it's a really big deal in us glorifying God that our relationships are right with one another, that we don't harbor this bitterness and unforgiveness towards others. So that's the first, that's maybe the biggest why that we're going to cover today. The next one is actually just in the next chapter over, Matthew chapter 6. Why is it important for us to forgive one another? Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you yours. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and then I'm going to go back and read this again just so you don't think that this is Ben's prerogative on this or this is my opinion or my interpretation of this. If there is unforgiveness between you and your brother or your sister, if you have bitterness and unforgiveness that you are harboring in your heart, my friends, you are standing a very real chance of not being forgiven in the eyes of God. If there's unforgiveness and bitterness in this, vertical, in this horizontal relationship, then there's a really good chance that God's not going to forgive you your sins and your trespasses also, because the vertical and the horizontal need to mirror one another. And without the vertical, we're not going to be able to sufficiently operate in our relationships in the horizontal. So, again, I told you that I was going to read this so that you knew that it wasn't just my opinion. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their sins, their wrongs, their offenses towards you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Good. Okay. Awesome. There it is. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, so if there's unforgiveness, bitterness, there. In your heart, if you don't forgive them, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Kind of stings a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's dangerous ground. But how many of us, oftentimes so many of us like to harbor this unforgiveness and this bitterness because we love the concept of justice. We love the concept of vengeance. We love this passage that they will get vengeance. But the tricky part that we have sometimes is that we like our idea of vengeance a whole lot better sometimes than what we like God's. And that's what the Scripture says. Is, is that not right? That Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So vengeance is His, not ours. You see, we really like grace. We really like mercy. and We really like this forgiveness concept when we're talking about our faults and our failures and the way that other people should treat us. But if somebody else wrongs us, offends us, hurts us, trespasses against us, sins against us, then we want the hammer of judgment and and holy righteousness of God, and we want His vengeance to come down upon them. You see, because if I'm being really transparent with you here, this passage that we just read out of Matthew 6 is not one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I'm, like I said yesterday, if I was writing this, I would have been very tempted to leave that part out. But the good news is that I didn't, and it's not. It's right there. Forgive others, you'll be forgiven. Don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. So, our forgiveness vertically, and our relationship vertically, there is an element of that that hinges on our horizontal relationships as well. Now, let's uh let's let's look at another why. Let's look at John 17. Turn to go- the Gospel of John, chapter 17. And and I really I was really tempted to read this whole passage, but for the sake of time and um just wanting to stay a little bit more concise, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of what's going on in this chapter, and then we're going to look at a couple verses. This is the high priestly prayer. This is Jesus praying the priestly prayer. And there's three elements that he prays for here. The first element is that he prays for himself. He prays for his ministry. That's verses 1 through 5. He prays for God's will to be done in his life. The second portion of it, he talks. he, He begins to pray for his disciples. So those ones, the ones that are following Him, that are doing ministry with Him, that have devoted their lives to Him on earth, that are physically following Him, He prays for them also. But then the third element of prayer in this is that He begins to pray for all believers at all times. Now, this isn't just all believers that led up to this point. This isn't just all believers who are on the earth at that point. This is all believers who will ever come. And Jesus begins to start praying for those that would call upon His name and who would serve Him as their Lord and Savior. And that begins to take place in verse 20. This Again, He's praying for all believers, which we fall into that category. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see that? Now, don't get me wrong. This is a unification prayer. No doubt about it. But as I was corrected last week, I I, I said uh, strolling through the tulips or something. It's tiptoeing through the tulips. That's This is not the type of unity where it's talking about that we lock arms and we skip and we sing and we dance and we go see the wizard together. Okay, That's not the type of unity that this is talking about. If you look at the words of Jesus, he says that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is praying for our relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ to represent and to look like the relationship between he and the Father. So let me ask you this morning at the time of this message, even if you have to pause this for just a moment, I want you to do a little bit of reflection. And I want you to think in your life, how many of your relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ would someone outside, or even someone inside of the church, look at and go, I can see the relationship between the Father and the Son in that. Now, the reason that I saved this one for last, and the reason that I believe this one is such a such a huge deal is remember, reconciliation, forgiveness. You can't separate them in the biblical sense. Reconciliation has to be in your heart for true biblical forgiveness to be extended or to be granted. So think of it this way Second Corinthians five from last week. We are his ambassadors. We've been given the ministry. Of reconciliation. God has entrusted this to us. And I used a word yesterday, and I want to kind of expand our definition on it just a little bit. I used the word perversion. And I want us to go beyond the physical, I want us to go beyond uh, the fleshly definition of that word that we have. The word perversion simply means the wrong version. So anytime, in any of our relationships, if unforgiveness and bitterness are present, then we are showing forth a perverted version, the wrong version, a perverted relationship that represents the Father and the Son. So think about the weight of that for this just a minute. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than some little minor offense that someone has said. It's even bigger than some major offense that someone may have done to you. It is bigger than you. It's bigger than your pride. It's bigger than your jealousy. It's bigger than your self-righteousness. It needs to be bigger than you. Because while these things do affect you, yes, I'm not downplaying that. Some hurts can, can cut so deep. Some wounds can penetrate and take forever and maybe never completely heal. But the reality that we need to come to grips with this morning is that It is bigger than us, and it's not all about us. So what if me sulking in my unforgiveness and my bitterness over a wrong, a hurt, a trespass, an injustice that someone else did to me, what if that costs someone else an eternity in heaven? What if someone spends an eternity separated from God because I would not be big enough to swallow my pride and make things right? What if... My relationship and my unforgiveness and my bitterness cost someone else their eternity with God. See, it's bigger than us. In every area, but especially in this one, it's bigger than us. Matthew 18, I'm going to close really quickly with just a reference to this. You can turn there if you'd like. If you don't, that's fine. And this... this is a value of this house also, and I'm I'm proud to say that as a pastor, and I'm sure it always has been, but I can definitely tell you that it is now. It gives us kind of a conflict resolution type thing whenever we do have odd against a brother or sister of how we're supposed to handle it. It says go to them in private first. Then if that doesn't work, bring them into a small group of trusted individuals. If that doesn't work, if there's no restoration main there, then bring them to the church. You see, we have a value here at First Church that we praise publicly and we correct privately. And that's what this verse is leading us to do. But here's how I want to end. True biblical forgiveness. From what we see, especially out of Matthew 18, is that the person who has been wronged is the one who should go and initiate the process. Now, listen, I know. You may have just thrown something at your screen right there, and I get it. I understand it. I don't like it either. But how many times have we sat back and we folded our arms after someone's wronged us, after someone's um, sinned against us, offended us, said something? How many times have we just sat back, crossed our arms, and waited for them? Because, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, they're the ones who hurt us, right? I mean, would that not make sense that they need to come to me? Both in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18, we're given the example that doesn't matter where it began. But if you have odd against a brother or sister, if you have unforgiveness, if you have bitterness in your heart, friends, I earnestly plead with you, Deal with that because it's not only affecting you negatively, but it may very well be affecting a non-believer negatively in the way that they view us being ambassadors. And that may very well affect the way that God makes His plea through us. So biblical forgiveness is a very big deal. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for this word. God, I pray that it convicts our hearts. I pray that that there are areas in us that You have revealed through this. And God, I pray that if there's any unforgiveness, there's any bitterness in our hearts towards our brothers and sisters, and God, towards anyone, that we would understand the gravity that You are making Your appeal through us to reconcile a lost and dying world to You. Through your Son, we pray. Amen.